Welcome to the Innocent Classroom Podcast and Happy Halloween. My name is Ade B.C. Wilson and I'm your host. Today we're joined by Lori Putnam, Assistant Superintendent at St. Cloud Area School District. And last year as principal of Kennedy Community School, a K-8 school in the district, Lori took her staff through constructing the Innocent Classroom. Now as Assistant Superintendent, she's supporting her middle schools through the training. Lori shares with us the impact that she has experienced Innocent Classroom have, including the transformations that happened with specific students, the innocence that educators began to experience, and how knowing her own good helped her better connect with students. If you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, I would greatly appreciate it. Sure. Uh, My name is Laurie Putnam. I am the Assistant Superintendent for Secondary Schools with St. Cloud Public Schools. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for being with us. Um, I'm really excited to be here in St. Cloud. We just, what are we, a year into our partnership with St. Cloud? Yes. Okay, a little over a year. A little over. It's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And we started at your school. Yeah, we started at Kennedy Community School, a PK through eighth grade um, learning community in St. Joseph. So a small, a small town uh, outside of St. Cloud. And this, and I say we started at your school because you were principal. Yes. And then in July became assistant superintendent. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's really exciting. Um, tell me a little bit about. Um, your school that you were at, sure, and how you ended up having Innocent Classroom there. Sure. Kennedy is a community of, of um, learners, and uh, it's, you know, being in a small town, um, it had been typically um, middle-class white families, and the educators there were, were mostly middle-class white educators. Um, when I came to Kennedy, uh, when I started there, I was there for four years. When I started there, um, we were busing as a school system. We were busing our English language learners out of St. Joseph into St. Cloud. So um, really not um, being the true community school that we wanted to be mm-hmm. and that was in our name. And yeah. um, so we, we changed that and brought an EL program, an English language learner program to Kennedy um, and what that meant um, was that the, the racial and cultural demographic um, of our students was changing. Um, and then uh, over the course of the four years, St. Joseph as a town um, opened up some additional low-income housing. And um, in this community, um, a lot of the, the families who, who needed that housing um, are, are some of our Somali families. Um, and so we went from... Um, very little um, racial and cultural diversity to um, quite to about 18 percent which I know you know as a a district we're over 50 but for um, a community a school to change that much in four years um, was was a lot and so we did um, you know knowing that um, that we had to prepare our educators for how to uh, you know, respond to the the different needs um, and ways of learning and being um, of our students. We started some of our work, and then um, Innocent Classroom. Uh, I learned about Innocent Classroom, and I'm so grateful that I did because um, 
we we needed a way for our educators to be able to connect even more deeply um, with our students of color primarily but all of our students and I think sometimes if people have had a specific lived experience that hasn't included different ways of, of being and knowing and and um, showing up um, that sometimes it can be hard um, I, I've noticed that sometimes it can be hard to make authentic connection and innocent yeah. classroom provided us with the explicit instruction of how to do that how to to the foundation of building those kinds of relationships and ways to practice it in a, in a safe environment. When you were thinking about Innocent Classroom and bringing it to your school, how, what, what were your thoughts around how it would fit into what you're already doing? I mean, schools, p- teachers are initiative out. They are. <laughs> and so, you know, this could seem like yet another initiative. So how did you think about it and bring it to your school and, and utilize it? We had done, um, some of our training had been around racial equity. So we had talked about implicit bias and we had talked about um, the different different ways identity is privileged in different kinds of spaces. And we had talked about whiteness with a capital W. Um, but a lot of that was um, talking about and, and introspection. And I had not yet found a way to make some of that learning uh, practical and innocent classroom provided us with a tool to extend that learning in a way that didn't a didn't feel like more because it's about relationships and yeah. our teachers show up every day I believe wanting to build relationships with 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 students I don't I believe that there's nothing more motivating to teachers than to see students succeed mm-hmm. um, and so to have a, a a program uh, to have a, not even a program to have a a way to talk about building relationships to to transform student experience um, is the foundational work of, of all all of us teachers counselors administrators and so innocent classroom wasn't um, we didn't experience I didn't see it and our staff did not experience it as one more thing a different kinds of initiative it was just a way of talking about what they were already doing and a way to do it better. Um, one thing I, I think that we do as educators is that we provide a lot of time for um, professional development around instruction. Yeah. And we provide very little time for professional development around relationship building. And some of that, I think, is that we make assumptions about people's capacity to build relationship. We assume it's innate. We assume it's just something that we do and it's not something we have to work on or or reflect about and that's just not true yeah it's not true Mm -mm. if you had to say what gets in the way of those relationships in general what would I mean like people's ability to build relationship Mm -hmm. I mean one is skill some people are more interested in learning more about other people than others Mm -hmm. Um, but would you say that there's anything else that Yes, absolutely. I, yeah. I think a lot of it revolves around the identity, the privileged identities that we talked about um, before. I think, um, you know, people, it's its just, um, you know, some the way our brains are wired to make quick decisions about people and the way, you know, American culture um, teaches us to think about particularly black and brown students and black and brown people if we are, um, whether we're white or black or brown, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, definitely messages that we are given 
Um, and so without even realizing it, um, I believe that about most of our, our educators, they don't, we don't realize that, that the actions we are, are making or the, the thoughts that we have um, are actually getting in the way of those, those relationships because we make assumptions about students' um, intentions or abilities, um, and then uh, that comes out in our actions without, without us realizing mm-hmm. um, the impact it has on our students. Yeah, and the way they see themselves, and the way think they think of us as educators, and and what we are capable of together. Yeah, and the outside world kind of gets in the way too. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> there are just so many images out there of what our students are and who mm-hmm. they are and how they're going to be when they show up that we can't disregard that. No, and I think um, you know in this in our political climate this work is all the more important to create, to help us create, um, I think about carving out a space where we can all um, work to shed some of those messages that, that we're getting from yeah. from media, from our politicians, um, about the value of, of specific people. And um, if we can provide that space, um, not only for our students, but ourselves in schools, I think about the, the ways we could all grow. I want to kind of shift a little bit because Mm. I think that I want us to talk a little bit about this concept of innocence that we Mm. focus on Mm -hmm. in Innocent Classroom. And innocence, the way that we talk about it in Innocent Innocent Classroom, Mm -hmm. is the unburdening of our children from the guilt, the stereotypes, um, the negative iconography, so that their subconscious mind isn't bogged down by that. Do you have any examples of children who have experienced like have changed, have transformed in your spaces because of the unburdening of those stereotypes for them? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And that's, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted Innocent Classroom to be available to all of our middle schools and hopefully all of our high schools and Mm -hmm. elementary schools, because I have seen that happen. Um, the, the pictures of the, the students are, are, are flashing in, in my head, um, and I, and while our focus is on students, I also want to to acknowledge that that also has happened for our educators mm. too. Tell you me know, about that. What do you mean? I think that that our educators also experience more innocence because they are able to acknowledge the the biases that they carry, or or begin to see the biases that that show up. Um, or the, in, through ways of interacting and are able to let those go, mm. right? And so that they get to show up as, as more authentic beings as well and engage in more authentic relationships and adults reclaim some of that innocence too. And I think particularly, you know, for our, our educators, educators of color, when I talked with um, one of our educators of color, she talked about how... Um, important that work was for her, um, for her own self. And then to see her white colleagues doing, doing, um, that work created a, a climate maybe of, of, of innocence. Yeah. I think of a student who she was living with a, an aunt and came to us from, um, one of a, a an inner city, um, inner suburb or inner ring mm-hmm. cities and had experience with fighting and was close to 
being expelled from from her her school and she was a student of color and when you said inner ring city you meant like down in the twin cities yes, like a first you. ring suburb or thank something you. That's, yeah. thank okay. you yep that's what i mean and um her experience working with our team um our middle school team who really embraced uh, the work of innocent classroom and, and their own work um was was truly transformational. Um, she uh, particularly connected with one teacher, and this, when she left us, she talked about um, feeling beautiful, mm. like as a person. Wow. Um, and she had never felt that before. And I think what a gift to be able to give somebody to, to see their own beauty. Yeah. Um, both physical and internal. And I, I truly believe that it's because of the, the work that we did around Innocent Classroom that let our educators see her for more than the stereotypes that she brought with her um, or the history of, of um, physical aggression. Yeah. Um, and she had never, ever let um, people call her by her full name before. And when she when she left, she said, uh, you know, she she had shared with with one of the teachers that um, that she would always be able to call her by her her full name, and yeah. that really meant a lot to the student. Yeah. So. so when you say she left, she went from she left the district. She did. She went back to okay. um, her home family. Mm-hmm. But imagine, like, for the first time in her life maybe maybe the first time maybe Mm -hmm. the first time in a long time somebody actually saw her right and and that's the beauty of finding what we call the good Mm -hmm. right the thing for which all other things are done it's not just a thing that you're searching for but it's a pathway and it's a pathway to helping children experience their own innocence and through that relationship and you know, not relationship for relationship's sake, because, you know, not because I'm sitting here with you and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fun talking to you, but because there's like this authentic connection, like she actually felt seen. Right. She actually felt other than those labels that had been put on her. um, She probably felt in some sense that she could finally be free from that, at least while she was at, at Kennedy. What a gift. I mean, what a gift to be able to give children and to the adults working with them, too. Yeah. It's just, um, it's liberation, right? It's, yeah. It's, and, then, and then that's when, you know, the academic gains can, yeah. can happen. You know, I don't want to lose sight of that, right? Our responsibility is, is, as educators is to make sure students are, are learning the, the math and science and social studies. Um, so I... I, I think of another student um, who was struggling profoundly. She's a second grader who was just showing up with in what her teacher characterized as an attitude, you know, and she was not being kind to, to other children and would roll her eyes at the teacher and just re- refusing to do work. And so um, she was actually a, one of my students that I chose to work on, you know, to, to, to work, to build relationship with, to try to understand what, what her good is. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it was me and, um, two of her teachers and, um, you know, we, we, we took a shot at what we thought her good was. And, uh, I think, I think we evolved it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We evolved over time. Um, but by the end of the year, um, her behaviors had 
disappeared. Mm. She was no longer wow. being cruel to children on the playground. She was not uh, rolling her eyes at the teacher and she was engaged in her studies and she moved from a level A which uh, to a level H, which is of, of reading, That's right? huge. It's huge. Like the gains <laughs> that she made were just phenomenal because, you know, A, she was way behind. Yeah. Right? What so grade was she? Second. Second so, grade. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the... the the gains that she made um, were incredible, both um, you know, socially and and academically. And I think you know, as if we can help, if by seeing students and and meeting, changing our behavior as adults to meet, to really see what they need from us, um, especially at a young age or at a critical age like middle school, where they where students are just trying to figure out who they are themselves. Yeah. Um, I think about. The, the unlimited potential when, when we help students change their own self-concept yeah. right? and get, like you said, reclaim that innocence and get rid of all of the, the baggage of what yeah. other people tell them they can and should be. Stereotypes are so powerful in so many ways, like powerful in like how we think about the people who are around us, mm-hmm. but then also really powerful in how we think about ourselves. But they don't have to exist the way that they exist, at least in the spaces that we can control. You guys have really done that intentional work about about eliminating, like how do we get rid of stereotypes for each and every one of our children? How do we allow them to just be, to just be in their space? And you've seen some some progress because of that. And, and not only progress with the particular child, but academic gains. Mm-hmm. I know that you're assistant superintendent now, mm-hmm. so you're not in Kennedy. I'm sure you watch Kennedy and yeah. other places as well. Um, has there been some sustainability efforts? Absolutely. Um, Kennedy is in year two. Um, and I know what's what's phenomenal about moving on to year two is that then we can start right away. Yeah. Um, once we start to, you know, we always have to understand our students. Um, but we have the the mindset and some of those skills to, to go into our year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even impacts um, from the start with family conferences, what assumptions we make about or um, intentional or, or aware or unaware, right? The, the, the assumptions or the beliefs that we um, bring to our conversations with families. And, and if we can even um, use some of the skills that, that we learn as educators through um, Innocent Classroom, to those interactions with families, even that can can start to change a child's experience um, as they're beginning. So yeah. I've, I've been really excited for that, for the Kennedy community to, to be in year two. Um, I know that they have um, started to systematize some of some of the, the concepts of um, Innocent Classroom, for example, with um, the, the staff actually asked uh, for the multi-tiered systems of support, it's mm-hmm. the, yeah. you know, the, yep. So they asked that on the MTSS referrals that um, the teacher indicate uh, what they believe the student's good is and the some of the strategies they've tried um, to meet that child's good before moving them on to um, any sort of special education referral. Um, and then communicating from year to year um, teacher to teacher so second to third grade or third to fourth this is you know this is what this child's good is and and this is how we met it and um, you know being able to have that foundation heading into a school year is really powerful yeah and I'm excited for north and south middle schools to to uh, be in the work now um, and to see 
um, where that their learning communities would take that um, as they progress through the year. Educators are, I believe, and I, I know you said this earlier, but educators want to have a really great relationship with their students. Yes, they do. And they want to be successful. Um, but educators, I, I commend them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a tough job. It's a tough job. And you and I believe that every educator who's in a classroom wants to be there. Me too. And so you have this really tough job. You have you're dealing with humans with all different personalities um, from all different walks of life. And um, it can be a big challenge and and it could be easy to revert back to what you do normally, which you may Mm -hmm. not necessarily like the outcome but it's what you know. Yep. And so, you know, kind of shifting and, and figuring out how can I make this practice my own? How can I make it a part of what I do on a regular basis so that I can have the desired outcomes that I want? Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this helps with that implementation, with that practice. It will. It's, yeah. And what I think what's also neat is, at least at Kennedy, you know, I, I, I know um, teachers would, um, when they found themselves um, kind of reverting back or or starting some of that negative dialogue, the sort of blaming or um, or the frustration. And then that's that's just out of frustration, right? Of mm-hmm. of not feeling successful. It's it's not an authentic belief about kids. Um, that that they would be able to remind each other, right? And yeah. hold each other accountable. Well, well what's the student's good? Uh, you know, maybe it's a different kind of you know, a different mm-hmm. good that what well, you know, and 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 really start to um, make that work and, and that common language part of holding one another accountable mm-hmm. to, to what's good for each other and for students. And then even as a, as a building leader um, or as a district leader, thinking about what my own good is um, and what the goods are of the adults in the building, because my job is also to meet their needs yeah. so that they can meet students' needs in turn. And just being really aware for myself about when my own good comes into conflict with either a student um, that was an IO. That was an eye opener when I finally realized what was happening in that uh, in a specific interaction between me and a student. Um, when I was a principal, I just was. Um, so I'm going to go off track for a second. Yeah. But um, I, I, there's a student that I saw repeatedly over and over and over, and finally, I like one day I was probably tired and sh- short and. Um, had lost sight of what the student's good is and, and putting the student first. And I just said, well, if, if you, if you can't pull it together, then just go home. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it was a response born of frustration. And, um, after be, you know, after being able to reflect and identify what my good is, which is hope, I realized that I, that good was being challenged because yeah. I didn't, in that moment, I didn't see hope mm-hmm. because we'd been doing the same thing over and over day after day. And so my response was now, my good was was not helping the situation, yeah. and so just having that own my own awareness yeah. um, as an educator and how I show up and and what that means for kids and and really getting clear about that was also really helpful. Yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like that your response in that moment was to eliminate that thing that's not giving you hope. Yep, get rid of it so I can move on to something else that gives me hope. Right, and we all do that in our behavior. I mean, it's just natural, right? Because we want our good met. Whether it's done through positive interactions or negative interactions, I'm going to, my good is belonging. I, and if I don't belong, if I feel like I don't belong, trust me, it's being cut out of my life. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Well, I have one more question and then we're going to wrap up here. Um, If you could be a superhero for a day, Mm. who would you be and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. 
I would definitely be a female superhero then. Okay. I think about, I like Wonder Woman a lot, but I don't want to have to wear her outfit. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I like the woman in Black Panther, but the thing is that I can't remember her name. Um, it was, what is her name? The, the, well, I really admire the, the really smart one. I like the one who was kind of kick butt. Yeah. Right. Who led the, who led the army. Yeah. I can't remember her name. So the, the one who led the army, she would, I don't remember her name, but they were the Dora Milaje. That was the name of the female army. Yes. Yeah. I, I like her a lot. Yeah. So, um, but I, I really like that Wonder Woman can fly. Sometimes I have dreams that I can fly and that's mm-hmm. a really amazing experience. So if I could combine those two. Okay. That would be my, that would be who I would want to be for a day. So the combination of strength uh, and courage and ability to, to fly. And confidence. And confidence. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, it has been a pleasure, absolute pleasure talking with you, Lori, and I look forward to continuing our partnership. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Innocent Classroom podcast. For more information about Innocent Classroom, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and visit our website at innocentclassroom.com. To be a guest on the podcast, contact me at adebisi at innocentclassroom.com. That's A-D-E-B-I-S-I at innocentclassroom.com. Have a beautiful day.